0: Following audio is for Emmanuel Baptist Church. More information about Emmanuel is available at our website, www.myemanuel.net. Lord, we just praise you as we lift up our voices as one. As a fellowship of believers, Lord, we lift up our praise to you, knowing that you are our steadfast love. And, Lord, that you're always there for us. This is a promise we cling to, that you will always be there for us. You never fail. and So, Lord, we thank you for that. And so now as we hear from your word, Lord, we pray that it be something that stirs us, that your Holy Spirit would move within us, that we'd be more than just hearers, but we'd be doers that we might be able to reach our families and other people for the gospel of Christ. Lord, it's you we honor, it's you we glorify this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know what? God is deserving of our exclamation of praise, isn't he? He's so good. He is so good to us. And this, his love never, ever fails. Anytime we think his love fails, dear friends, we have missed it. His love is so good. It's just so good. Hey, we've got a lot going on today, a lot of exciting things. I want to tell you we're into week two of our Kingdom Families Month, okay? So last week you had a bulletin insert that looked just like this, and the challenge of last week was to do a media fast, to pick one night of the week and to do a media fast where there's no screens, just invest in your family. And uh, some of you participated through some pictures over at us. We really appreciate that. There should be some floating around on the screens in just a second. But uh, the challenge was to take that time to not be distracted and to let God do a great work in our families. I will tell you, I have to brag on my wife. I got home from, from, uh, from church and Brandy had designed a, a scavenger hunt for the boys. And they've never done a scavenger hunt before. And Jeremy is a first grader. So he was actually able to read the clue. I mean, it took a little while, but he got through it, read the clue and they went and found the clue. And every time they'd find that clue, man, they were just like, yeah, you know, just pumping it up. And, and then we had ice cream and we just had a great time. We did The devotionist Together. We talked about last week what it means to taste and see that the Lord is good. So if you missed it last week or you forgot, try it this week. Pick one night this week. Take a fast from all screens and invest in your family. This week, uh, we've got The Devotion here as well. So make sure to hang on to that. Take it home. Read it together. Written by Pastor Ryan. I read it this week. Very good. Very, very good. Great challenge for us as we love our families. Also on the back, it's our last Sunday before we hit our life conference this weekend, Friday and Saturday, Pastor John Metter and his wife Kim are coming from Dallas, Texas, all the way up here to teach us what it means to be a strong kingdom family. So all the details are here for you. I want to encourage you so very much to make Friday night and Saturday morning happen. Nobody grows a family on accident. So we need to do this intentionally. Uh, Today is the last day to sign up. So get online, go to the website, sign up. If you are not sort of affluent in web culture, that's fine. Go to the Welcome Center. Those folks would be happy to get you registered and signed up today. But make sure to be at this. It's going to be really a tremendous time. I'm looking forward to the teaching myself. And then, of course, you'll see at the bottom the date night. Um, So let's let's plow into it. I I will tell you now, I've got a little bit more sermon than I have time for, so I'm not going to be as in-depth on some of our points. But today we're talking about the kingdom circle of family. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a bit of a DNA shift for Emmanuel, creating some verbiage that we can begin to talk about in the days and years to come as it pertains to the life that you and I lead, being strategic for kingdom purposes. And we've called them the kingdom circles. Now, I wrote this out for the eight o'clock service. And I, I, again, I have to just be honest and confess to you, I forgot to erase it. Um, but I think it's better this way. It won't waste time. So, you know, I don't want you to think that I came too prepared. I mean, <laughs> this is the kingdom circles. So here's what we're looking at right now. In fact, you've got that in your, your worship folder uh, right here. You're welcome to go along with that. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But if we think about our life and what the kingdom circles are, what areas of life that God has put us in, I think fundamentally there's three different circles that each and every one of us live in as believers, okay? So that's why we put ourselves in the middle. Not because we're the center of the universe, but because we are the common denominator of all three of the circles of our life, okay? The first one is this, it's family. You and I are born into a family. You're here because of a family. Some of us have big families. Some of us have little families. But each and every one of us are into a family. And we need to think about engaging kingdom work in our families. Second, what's going to be next week, we're going to talk about church. How do we engage kingdom work at church? What is the purpose of the church? Why do we exist? And how do we participate in helping God's church grow to be all that God wants it to be in the scriptures? Okay. Last circle is our circle of community circle of community, and in our community, these are friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, all the people around us that we sort of live with in Billings or wherever you live in the community and One of the keys that we are called to is to engage lostness and we 're going to talk about that don 't miss the next two weeks do not miss i don 't care if it snows two feet. Be here and get here. We're going to talk about some really, really unique ways. In fact, I'm going to challenge you next week that you getting involved in the church probably isn't anything of what you think it is right now. There are ways to get involved that maybe you hadn't thought about that aren't like your sign-up, volunteer space kind of a sign-up. But we'll talk about that. And then in two weeks, come here. I'm going, to, I'm going to help you discover some areas to engage your lost community without changing anything in your life in ways that maybe you have never thought about. But here's the great truth, and this is why we're talking about it. You know that God wants strong families. Amen? Say it aloud. God wants a strong family. He calls us to strong families. He equips us for strong families. Strong families make for a strong church. And when a strong church is a strong church, that means that we we obey the Great Commission. We reach our community by engaging lostness. And then when people get the opportunity to meet Jesus Christ and give their life over to him and let their lives be transformed like many of us in the room, guess what happens? Then they get to grow strong kingdom families who grows our church for his kingdom purposes. Amen? Pretty cool stuff. So today, we're talking about the first circle of family. How in the world do we do that? Well, last week, Pastor Paul walked us through Ephesians chapter 5, and what he did is, is he, he, he taught us a really unique thing that, that not a lot of folks necessarily know, and that is that, that God and his kingdom is parallel to family. God is father. He has a son. Scripture says we're the bridegroom of Christ. He likens husbands. He says, husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He says, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Well, the church submits to Christ, right? Christ leads the church. So in order for us to go on in our kingdom family uh, uh, circle today, we've got to understand that God has taken the mission of the church and he has laid it in foundation with family. So when you say, gosh, what is the mission of a family? What's the purpose of a family? It's the same as the church. And sometimes we don't always think about those terms. We think, well, the church is supposed to do this, but my family is supposed to do this. Actually, that's not true at all. There's a reason that God parallels family with church. Your family has a mission. Your family has a purpose. And we're going to talk about what that is today, okay? We're going to talk about what that is. Uh, What does it mean to share the same mission? I've got three questions for you today excuse me, that we're going to go through. And the first is this. What is a kingdom family? What is a kingdom family? Turn to the book of Colossians chapter one. When we look at what is a kingdom family, uh, it may seem like a redundant question, but I don't think that it is. A kingdom family is not a family that goes to church on Sunday. That's not what makes a kingdom family a kingdom family. A kingdom family is not even a family who checks the Christian box on the form. That's not, that doesn't make a, a kingdom family. So what is a kingdom family? Here it is in your notes. A kingdom family is one that exists for the glory of God. A kingdom family exists for the glory of God. If you've got Colossians chapter 1, pick it up in verse 24 with me if you would. <clears throat> now remember, Paul's writing to the church at Colossae. So understand, remember, when we, when we read church, we think of the same as our families, right? Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, in Verse 24. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, that is, the church, same as our family, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints— To them, God chooses to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Everybody say amen. Amen. Isn't that a good word? The hope of glory, Christ in you. A kingdom family understands that we exist for the single-minded focus of bringing glory to Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We exist for that purpose in a lot of ways. Do you know God desires to make his glory known to your family? Did you know that? Sometimes we think because we're American individualists that we know that God kind of wants to do something in our life. I think it's even true that some of you don't even think that God wants to make his glory known to you, but he does. He wants to make his glory known to you in, the, in, in so many different areas of your life, oftentimes in the everyday. But he also wants to make his glory known to your family. And sometimes we don't always think about it in those terms. But here's the truth that we have to recognize this morning. We can't exist for the glory of God if we've never experienced the glory of God. And sadly, many of us, if we're honest, if we're having coffee with a friend, we'd have to say, you know, I don't, I don't know that I've ever really experienced the glory of God in my own life. Maybe, maybe you have a misunderstanding of what that means. Maybe you think that existing for the glory of God or experiencing the glory of God means like there's got to be some day where God descends like a dove and this incredible miracle happens in your house. By and large, most of us will never experience that kind of a miracle. We're just not. You know, I think there's a difference between uh, miracles and the hand of God, and I don't want to get too sidetracked on that, but, but the big stuff, like the magnanimously sized things, that don't happen very often. They don't even happen very often in the Bible. Hundreds of years span between those kinds of miracles, right? But God still pours out his glory on each of us every single day. We see his glory in unique ways. I wish I had more time to talk about that, Um, but he does. He absolutely pours his glory out in the way that he ministers, the way that he provides, the way that he's in us and through us, through the Holy Spirit, through his word, all kinds of things. And we need to understand that God wants to do that work in our life. And sometimes we're frustrated because we've never seen God do that in our families. We've got to begin to seek the glory first for ourselves, like in ourselves, so that we can join that God-sized work in our families because he wants to do that. The truth is this. No one accidentally becomes a kingdom family. We have to do it on purpose, don't we? If we want to be a kingdom family, it's not just going to sort of happen sort of the day to day minutiae one day. It won't. It's going to take intention. It's going to take strong intention. Okay, shameless plug. This is why we do life conferences like this. Some of you think you're too busy. Some of you think, "Ah, I think I already know the truths. Dear friends, don't do that. This is your family. Plug in. Take the, day, take the morning off of work. Schedule yourself out. Invest in the kingdom family. Okay, there I did it. So that's what a kingdom family is. We exist for the glory of God. Number two, what does a kingdom family do? I'm a very pragmatic person. I'm not the smartest guy in any room. I'm pretty simple-minded. So if it's not one, two, three, four, then I, I, you kind of lost me, okay? So I need practical. Now, this list is not an exhaustive list. I'm going to tell you, there's probably a hundred more that could be on this list. But here's some bullets from Scripture that I think remind us what, what are some things that a, that a kingdom family does? How do we know we're being a kingdom family? The first on the list is this. Kingdom families honor God in all things. They honor God in all things. Flip over to chapter 3 of the book of Colossians, if you would. and We look at what it means to honor God in all things. Now, in this context, in the context of this passage, I'm going to knock that over. In the context of this passage, he's actually talking about families, isn't he? He's got wives, he's got uh, husbands, he's got children, and he's got employees. So in, this pa- in the context of this passage, think of family. And then he gets to verse 23, and here's what he says. In whatever you do, work heartily. Some of us love that one. We like to work hard. But let's, let's look at the rest of the passage. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. In whatever you do, do it for the Lord because you're serving Christ. We compartmentalize just incredibly in our world. As humans, we always compartmentalize. This is the work life. This is my recreational life. This is my vacation person. This is my uh, spiritual person or church person. And we compartmentalize those. But we gotta understand, if we're gonna take ownership of our kingdom circle and we don't know what a kingdom family looks like, we need to understand that God desires to be in every possible part of your family. There's no area in your family where we get to leave God out or where God does not desire to be involved Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not, in for men, not as for men. But we've got to learn to include God in all of these things. Do you include God in your business? Do you include him in your finances? Do you include him in your fighting? Well, you uh, kind of lost me there. No, you lost me. Well, I used to do uh, an awful lot of pre-marriage coaching when I was working with 20-somethings. And what I would do is, if some of you are familiar with the concept of the five love languages— by Dr. Chapman. He basically says there's roughly five love languages that every person sort of aligns to one or maybe two, that that when you do that, it speaks love to that person. So here's what I began to do the last few years. I began to take the five love languages and I would lay it over the top of my session entitled How to Fight, which, by the way, this love, how do I, oh, I want to learn how to fight, you know? Well, here's the problem. When we're in a fight, what is our goal? To do what? It's to win. When we're in a fight, we won't win, okay? Is that the godly way to approach a fight, yes or no? Some of you are going, oh, yeah, it is. (laughs) I think I have some other work i got to do with you. (laughs) I heard some, no way, you know, right? No, when we're fighting in a family, the goal ought not be to win. So here's why I do this. I take the idea that we minister to each other in their love language over top of our fight so that when we're in a disagreement as a spouse, as a family member, we no longer think about how am I going to win how can I blister that person? How can I show them they're wrong and I'm right? Instead, we honor them. We respect them. We think about them. We minister to them. It's a little bit like saying in whatever I do, I do it for the Lord. I bring glory to him. I do it to honor him. Even in fighting, even in athletics. How do we do that in we got to figure this out in our culture. How athletics go into our family? How do we incorporate the kingdom of God in athletics in our families? God wants to be involved in every area of our life, and the kingdom family knows that their faith is their compass. Their faith is their compass. They honor God in all things, not just some things. B, they prioritize God's kingdom first. They prioritize God's kingdom first. Flip backwards to Colossians 1 with me again. Back to the passage that we just read. So he's speaking of the, the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is, in Christ, or which is in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. But then listen to what he says in verse 28. He says, Now, him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. What word does he repeat three times? Everyone. Everyone. But what does he say to, to Everyone. He says, him we proclaim. Him we proclaim. That's what we ought to proclaim is him. For a kingdom family, we prioritize God's kingdom first. What you say the most is what you believe the most. Do you know that? What you say the most is what you believe the most. Scripture says in Matthew that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Sometimes we say, well, I say this, but I don't really mean it. I really mean this, but I say this. I just want to tell you that's not biblical. Biblical what we say the most, we mean. That's what we mean. Does your family proclaim the glory of God? Do you talk about God? Do you talk about the goodness of Christ? What do you proclaim? Do we proclaim complaining? Do we proclaim dysfunction? Do we proclaim selfishness, or do we proclaim the glory of God? He calls us to prioritize God's kingdom first, and what we say comes straight out of our hearts. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Great passage. Love that passage. Seek first God's kingdom. But do you know what the context of that passage is? It's anxiety and worry. It's anxiety and worry. He's saying, are you worried about this? Are you anxious about this? The things of your life. He's talking about anxiety and worry. So what does Jesus say? He says, okay, um, how about you don't think about your anxiety and worry. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. See, here's the problem. When we let our worry and our anxiety become the focus of our life, it's so easy to be distracted from anything else that matters most and we focus we fixate on our anxiety anxiety by definition becomes compulsive you know that right it becomes compulsive what you worry about and have anxiety over become the main focus of your life so how do we combat anxiety how do we combat depression how do we combat the worry and the stress of our life god says let me tell you you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and I'm going to provide all these other things for you. Isn't that exciting? I think, that's, I think that's exciting. We prioritize the kingdom first, and then God will take care of your family. He's going to take care of the needs of our life, okay? It means that we've got to look more like Christ. I've got in your notes three simple things. It's not exhaustive, like I said, but it's three things. A family who prioritizes the kingdom first does three primary things. What are those three primary things? Number one, they serve each other. The kingdom family who prioritizes kingdom, we serve each other. We ought to be about serving those in our family. Men, it's okay to cook dinner once in a while, right? Some of you ladies are going, oh, please, don't tell them that. (laughs) I can only have so many hot dogs, okay? We just can't do this. It's okay to serve. We need to understand that our families are a fertile ground of service opportunities, we got to serve each other, bless each other, pitch in for each other. Of, of marriage counseling that I've done for years and years, I have to tell you, so often what I hear more often than not has some semblance of this. The other person's not holding up their end of the bargain. And then usually the other person says, well, that's funny because my perspective is the other person's not holding up their end of the bargain. Well, imagine this. If we're both committed to serving, you won't have to take from the other person at all. I've always said marriage is not a give-and-take relationship at all. You don't ever take. You you, you give. And in family, it's the same way. We give. We serve. We serve each other. Second, the kingdom family serves the body of Christ. We serve the body of Christ. Now, I told you, next week we're going to talk about creative ways that we do that. But it may not be just, I need to volunteer on a list under this established ministry. That's great. Let me give you a—let me me take a side note, by the way. uh, Fallacy larger churches don't need volunteers. We're all staffed up. I could not disagree more vehemently. Absolutely not. We need more people who are willing to contribute to the ministries of Emmanuel for his kingdom. We, there isn't a ministry that says, nope, we're full. We don't need you just about, right? So we need that. But the greater picture is how are we pouring into the church? How are we helping the church accomplish the mission of the church? I think we ought to ask ourselves, am I primarily taking from the church or giving from the church? Or is there a balance there? What do we do? How do we do that? We serve the body of Christ. We serve the brethren, the scripture says. Number three, they serve the world around them in Jesus' name. We serve the world around them in Jesus' name. It's really important for a kingdom family to understand that part of prioritizing kingdom means that as much as we can, we try to serve in a family model. How do we serve our children's friends? How do we serve the teachers? How do we serve our neighbors? How do we serve our family as a whole by, by serving the community around us, rather? I think we've got to be able to do that. I have found that it's just a delight to try to teach my boys about ministry. Uh, you know, I do. When I'm on a phone call with somebody that, that needs a hand, I don't just sort of take the phone call and brush them off like this. I take the phone call and I say, hey, can you hang on for a second? I might hit, I might hit mute and I might say to my boys, hey, you know what? Daddy's got to help help somebody right now. They're struggling and I want to I help them and, and encourage them. Is that okay? And I was going to say, yeah, man, absolutely. And I go back to the phone call. I want my kids to know that we need to serve and bless people and help each other. I've taken them on a mission trip down to our church plant to do a VBS, teaching my kids to serve the world around us. We serve our neighbors. But I put my kid on the uh, my kids on my, my four wheeler with the plow as I was pushing or was, as I was plowing up my neighbors' dro- my neighbors' roads, trying to show them that we bless our neighbors. We need to do that as a family. See the third thing, kingdom families help each other look more like Christ. Kingdom families help each other look more like Christ. Look at uh, Colossians 1, verse 28 again. Uh, he says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Can you present parts of your family as mature in Christ? We we ought to have, that ought to be our goal is to, to help each other grow to look more like Jesus. I think a key challenging question that we have to ask this morning is, can we say, because of me, my family is closer to Jesus? Can, can we say, my family is growing in their faith because of me? And some of you might say, well, Jim, I don't really like that. That's just too self-centered. It's not about that. No, I don't think, I, I think it is. I absolutely think it is. Look, we can get in the game or we can sit on the couch, Okay a dear friend of mine always says, God won't do your work for you. And he won't. You have to get off the couch and engage. So we're not going to sit on the couch watching football, eating Pringles all day long, and expect that our family is going to grow to love Jesus in spite of it. That doesn't work. So it's okay to ask the question, man, is, is my family closer to Jesus because of me? Like, Have I contributed to that? Is that a part of what I do in my family is to encourage that kind of a rhythm? And it's a challenge to do so. I fully understand that. We're going to look at more about that later. But as there's part of our responsibility to grow that, and also a big part of our responsibility in our family rhythm is that as we grow closer to Jesus, we learn as a family to share our faith. Do you talk to your kids at home about, hey, did you get a chance to tell someone about Jesus at school today? Did they get to ask you, hey, did you tell a coworker about Jesus today? Does that ever come up in your house? Does evangelism come up in your house? Do you pray about how you can share your faith? Do you talk to your spouse about who you can go and tell the good news of Christ to? Do you talk about that? It's a part of our spiritual growth, isn't it? D, kingdom families practice giving God's grace, love, and forgiveness. They practice giving God's love, grace, and forgiveness. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10, actually, if you will. As you turn there, think of this. How will we ever learn to share the love and the grace and the forgiveness to a world around us who at times might be hostile if we cannot learn to do it primarily first in our families? The answer is we're not going to be. You know, God gave you a family to practice your faith, right? Nod your heads if you get what I'm talking about. Some of us don't like that truth, but it's true. Have you ever discovered that it's harder to give the love, give the grace, give the forgiveness to our families than it is other people? Have you ever discovered that? There's been head bobs all over the room at this point all, all morning. Sometimes it's harder for us to give that love, the Christ-like love and the grace and the forgiveness to our family. We give it to the neighbor. We give it to our coworker, but it's tough in our family to do that, but we ought to do it. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 with me. Pick it up in verse 23. This is a beautiful picture of how we ought to be as a family. Now, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Whoa, that's so good. I'm gonna read that again. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Everybody say amen. He is faithful. He is faithful. But listen to this. Because of this truth, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. Did you know that in a family, a kingdom family, we ought to be that that stirs one another to love and good works? We ought to be. Understand this sermon today is ought. It's not always this way. And I want you to know I get that. I understand that that there's not a perfect family sitting here today. So don't sit here thinking, oh, this is the worst thing ever. This is an ought. It's a goal. It's what we strive towards. But we live in a messy world, okay? We live in a messy world. But we ought to stir one another up to love and to good works. Do we encourage each other? Do we spur each other on? Do we challenge each other to be faithful in the Lord? E, kingdom families pass on a spiritual legacy to the next generation. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1 if you would. Kingdom families pass on a spiritual legacy to the next generation. Now if you've got 2 Timothy chapter 1, this is a passage that it's very likely that you've if you've read it, you've read through it and you probably didn't really notice this, but I think it's gold. So let's let's read it together. Paul's writing to a young pastor named Timothy begins in verse 3. He says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Wouldn't you love for the Apostle Paul to pray for you night and day? I always think about that. Uh, Number four, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Listen to this. Don't miss this. Here it is. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. It's a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and then your mother, Eunice, And now I'm sure that it dwells in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Because God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Look what's going on. The Apostle Paul writing in the canon of Scripture to a young pastor, pastor named Timothy. And you know who he cites first? His grandmother Lois. And her daughter Eunice, who poured into her son Timothy. Isn't that awesome? Did you know that grandmas make it into scripture? Isn't that good? Amen. Come on. Amen. That, yeah. Grandma and mom poured into a guy who's in the scriptures twice, and Timothy. There's an incredible impact that we ought to pass on to future generations in our life. Parents and grandparents, did you know that you were passing on a legacy? You might say, well, Jim, I'm not passing on a legacy. I didn't say you were passing on a good one. I said you're passing on a legacy. We have to think it through. Somebody behind us is always watching, always watching. And we need to be remembering that if any of us have somebody behind us, they're watching. And when we think about the future generations to come, we have to think about the legacy that we're leading. What do we leave? Do we leave a legacy of work ethic? Work ethic's really good, but it's not the most important thing. We get distracted. Do we leave a legacy of play and pleasure and hobbies? Do we leave a legacy of money? How about a legacy of selfishness? How about a legacy of dysfunction or addiction? How about a legacy of fighting or idolatry? Is that the legacy we want to leave? Absolutely not. What about leaving a legacy of love and of grace? A legacy that teaches forgiveness in our family. A legacy of scripture, following God's example. A legacy of prayer. Do the upcoming generations know that their mom, dad, grandpa, grandpa, do they pray? Are they praying people? Do they know that? Sharing our faith, obedience, legacy of serving each other, a legacy of kingdom priorities. We don't get a second shot. Literally, friends, I want you to know one of the things that drives my life more than anything else, almost more than anything else, is that we don't get a second shot. Many of you know that when I was 23, I got cancer. And I had a dear friend in the church who came to me and uh, after I'd kind of come through the surgery and come through some things and, and had been growing through it. And he was just really, really emotional. And I said, what's, what's going on, man? And he was, he was maybe 10 years older than me is all. He said, Jim, my dad died of that cancer in the 70s. My cancer only had a, a cure 20 years before I was alive. Since Adam and Eve, the cure for my cancer was only 20 years before I lived. If I was born this much earlier, I wouldn't be around. So you know what I learned in that? I learned that I don't get a second shot with this life. This is the life I have. Today is what I have. And the incredible illusion that the enemy gives every one of us is to say, ah, oh, you can get it tomorrow. You can get it tomorrow. It's all right. You can get it tomorrow. Well, guess what happens? Tomorrow comes next year. Next year becomes a decade, and a decade becomes the end-of-life discussion. And I don't mean to be so, so heavy with this, but we have got to stop and understand that legacy starts right now. Like right now, we've got to start leaving a legacy, living our lives to pass on Jesus to the next generation. If you agree, would you say Amen? We have to be this people. Get serious about our faith. Stop playing around. Right? It takes all of us being willing to do that. Number three. Let's answer this third question. How does a family engage kingdom work together? How do we engage kingdom work together? What does it mean that we engage this together? Well, here's the point in your notes. You take appropriate responsibility for the spiritual condition of your family. You take appropriate responsibility for the spiritual condition of your family. <clears throat> now, don't, don't tune me out because I, I want you to make, I want to make very clear that you hear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. The, word, the reason I put the word appropriate in there is because we all understand But I can't control that person, and neither can you. You and I do not have the ability of making people make wise decisions. You can't make your spouse care about spiritual things. You can't make your kids choose Christ. You can't change a brother and sister the way they think. You can't make that happen. That's a God-sized work. But you know what we can make happen? We can take responsible our calling to engage kingdom work in a relationship. That, that is on us. That is on us. We have to take responsibility for the portion that is ours. We can't sit back, do nothing of kingdom engagement, and then go, well, I don't know why God didn't do it. The whole time, God might have been going, well, I tried to get you to get in the game. <laughs> I tried to get you in the game here. We have to take responsibility for what is our part and ask the question, how can I encourage and support spiritual growth in my family you may say jim i don't even know where that begins you might it might feel like you got about one or two little things praise god start there you might be overwhelmed with how many opportunities to do that you might have well make a plan and start executing it a b plus plan that's executed to perfection is always better than an a plus plan that's never acted on so just start something start something do something for the kingdom let me ask let me ask some questions I'm just going to do this for us together, myself included, as I was writing this. I want to write some, or I have some some questions, rather, that I want us to think through about if we're doing this, if we're engaging, okay? Here, Here they are. Husbands and fathers, is your wife growing spiritually? Do you even know if she's growing spiritually? If she is, is she growing because of you or in spite of you? Do you pray diligently for her? Do you set a spiritual example for her? Or do you leave that up to her to set? Do you spur her on in worship and service to the Lord? Do you reinforce spiritual commitment in your family? If you have children, are you discipling your kids? Have you been engaged in that? Do you pray with your kids? Do you read your word with your kids? Do you show them what it means? Are you showing your boys what a godly man of scripture looks like? Are you showing your daughter what a godly husband looks like? Wives and moms, are you submitting to your husband as unto the Lord? Are you respecting him both at home and in your conversations with your girlfriends, regardless of whether he deserves it or not? Are you talking or rather are you taking on the role of discipler with your kids? Are you showing your daughters what a godly woman of scripture looks like? Are you showing your sons what a godly wife looks like? Children, are you honoring your parents? In obedience and respect, are you setting a spiritual example to your siblings and to your parents and to your cousins? These are some challenging questions, huh? There are some challenging questions for us today, but these are the questions that we have to ask if we're going to be kingdom-minded believers. We have to begin to take responsibility for the part of our family that's ours. There's some part of your family that is your responsibility plug in, to pray, to encourage, to support, to speak, to serve in kingdom ways in your family. Lastly, this morning, we look at where God is working in the areas connected to your family circle and get involved in them. Where's God working in your family? He's working. Did you know that? Right now, this very moment, God has a plan. God's working. You look for ways that God is at work in your family. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your grandkids, your brothers or sisters, an aunt and uncle, niece and nephew. Just because we've grown past school age doesn't mean that we often don't have uh, brothers and sisters and and family. What's God up to? Where's God working? Where do you want to see God work? Where are you desperate to see God work? When was the last time you shed a tear for the spiritual condition of your family? When was the last time it bothered you? When was the last time you stayed awake at night praying for your family to come to Jesus? Praying for your family to be restored? Or have you just sort of put it out of your mind and been distracted with the important responsibilities of our life? Where's God at work? Where's God doing something? Where do you want to dive in and say, okay, God, use me. I want to be involved in your work in my family. Where are you at this morning? Maybe you're here this morning and you're just kind of thinking, honestly, Jim, my, my, my family's in shambles. Maybe you're here this morning thinking, Jim, I've not done a good job. Listen, I want to encourage you yet again. It's not over. God cares about our obedience today. Nobody wins a victory tomorrow because of the failure of yesterday. Nobody. It doesn't happen. Yesterday's gone, but today's here. Today's here. So how are you going to engage your family today? I ask for every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. That's, that's a simple question of our response today. Is what is God showing you this morning about ways that you can engage kingdom priorities, spiritual growth in your family? Where can you be involved? When do you? Where do you need to begin to speak or speak up? Where do you need to spur on a commitment? Maybe you're here this morning and you've just let your family do whatever they're doing in, in, in spiritual things. Maybe you've just let your spouse sort of do whatever they see fit. Maybe you need to jump in the game today and get, get involved. Maybe it's time for you to pitch in. Maybe it's time for you to commit. Maybe it's time for you to pray and to get involved in what God's doing. Because I believe with all of our hearts, our first responsibility is our family. As hard as it is, it's our very first responsibility. Father, we declare this morning that this responsibility is just, it feels, it's just too big for us. We struggle, we wrestle, we have bitterness, and we have hard feelings, and we have challenging relationships, and we have baggage. Lord, have we got baggage in our families. But God, you are the God of messy situations. You are the God who is so good at taking our baggage and restoring and redeeming it. So God, I pray for families all across the room today, that you would begin to do a work of bringing glory to each family. Father, I pray for the courage that just like you spurred on Timothy in the scriptures, that you give us a spirit of love and of power and of self-discipline. You give that to us today. And I pray, God, that we would engage our families in unique ways like never before, that we would be the hands and feet of your son Jesus in our families. Give us courage, give us wisdom, and bear much fruit for your kingdom. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Emmanuel Baptist Church, located in Billings, Montana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Emmanuel, please visit us online at www dot